Amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, praise team, for leading us in worship this morning. Well, today we start a, a, a new four-week series uh, titled, ready for this, Money and Hell. Okay? Now, let me tell you how uh, I got there. So we just are finishing up uh, Who's Your One? And I hope that that blessed you. I hope you've seen God move uh, through your prayers, reaching out to the one. And so next, uh, just in my time with the Lord, praying, God, what what would we do next? What, what do you have for us on Sunday mornings as we go through your word? And this phrase popped into my brain, money and hell. And so I thought, well, I drank too, entirely too much coffee that day. And apparently that is uh, a horrible idea and a terrible way to kick off the summer to talk about money and hell. And so I just thought, well, that must not have been the Lord. And so Two weeks later, here I go, trying to seek the Lord again, and uh, this phrase comes to my mind. What are the two things that Jesus talked about the most in, the, in his time on earth? All through the Gospels, which is a recording of the life of Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? So what are the two things that he talked about the most? So I looked that up, and guess what? Money and hell. I know, right? So... so Today, we're talking about money and what Jesus, specifically, a time where he had some thoughts about it. Did you know that almost half of the parables that Jesus taught was concerned about money? So the two things that Jesus talked about the most during his time that we have recorded in the Bible, money and hell, the things he talked about as topics the most, it's not even close Yet, those are the two things that we would rather not talk about the most, right? And I'll just confess, I would rather preach about gnarly goat whales getting a mani-pedi before they go out to a hootenanny than before I talk about money or hell from, from God's Word. I just, I'm just being totally transparent about that, Okay. We don't like talking about those things, do we? But yet, all through the Gospels, Jesus talks about it. And so today, I'm going to invite you to turn your Bible to Mark chapter 12. And we're going to see a parable, a teaching about the widow's offering. And a, a, something that happened during the Lord's ministry time here on earth. Now we have the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and the New Covenant. In the Old Testament, uh, the Lord told his people to set aside a tenth, a tenth, okay? So if you forget that, just hold up all your fingers if you have ten fingers, uh, and, and ten, that you give a tenth to the temple, okay? Now, why did they do that? Well, for one, I believe God was just making sure uh, they were going to trust him and walk by faith. But secondly, the Levites, you may know about the Levites in the Old Testament, they didn't have land and cattle, and they... They didn't really have any way to support their ministry. And so God would, out of that 10%, help support the Levites and all of their families. And so all throughout the Old Testament, we see God expects His people to give a tenth of their income to the Lord. But then you get to the New Testament, and you continue to see uh, Ronnie Good, one of our deacons who just prayed, we took up the offering, which is a sign and act of worship. He just prayed. He, he quoted 2 Corinthians 9, 7. 
Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, so we see that same uh, principle in the Old Testament, the 10%. It also translates to the New Testament. Okay, so you say, well, Pastor, how much are we supposed to give to the Lord with our tithe? Well, what the Bible, what did I just quote? Second Corinthians, Paul writes, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Well, we know the Old Testament principle is at least 10%. And after that, it's really up to the individual. God, he could, he could push and He could press, but He lets us decide how much we're going to tithe to the Lord. The greatest way to impact the earth financially, I believe, is to tithe first and foremost to the local church. You see, there's a lot of nonprofits all over the world, and they're good, and they're great, and there's a lot of parachurch ministries. But you know, 700 years from now, if the Lord tarries, you know the ones that's going to be around? The church. It's not going anywhere. If America goes to the wayside, guess what? The church of God all over the globe is going to continue to go forward in Jesus' name, and nothing's going to stop it. So wouldn't you want to give to something that you know is going to succeed? You don't want to give to something that you know is a sinking ship, right? That's, that would be silly. But we know we give first to the Lord. Tonight, we all as individuals of our church have an opportunity to show appreciation and to give to uh, our associate pastor, James Reardon and his family. Tonight, we're going to have a reception uh, in their honor as they get ready to go plant a church. Uh, the Bible says, You shall not, not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And the laborer deserves his wages. The Bible says that an elder and under-shepherd in the church of God is worthy of double honor. That's what the Lord said in his text about his pastors. And so James is one of our pastors. And so tonight's an opportunity for you to come, for all of us to come, and to show appreciation and love. You say, what do I need to bring? Well, you don't have to bring anything. We're going to eat, I don't know, just a little snack. We'd rather people spend uh, money on some food and spend it on the Reardon family, okay? So that's uh, the way we're going to handle that. So please come if you have a chance to come by and to show them uh, your appreciation for their years of service serving First Baptist Church Bay St. Louis. Okay, Mark chapter 12. Let's see what God has in His Word for us this morning. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. And he, being Jesus, he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him, and he said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All that she had to live on. Wow. There's three observations I'd like to point out about this passage. Number one. The Lord views our offering. The Lord views our offering. 
And, and that's a truth that's coming straight from this text. And it's, I'm not pointing it out to, to scare us or make us think that God's just up there waiting for us to mess up. That's not who God is. He's loving, patient Father. But He's also very serious about our relationship with Him. And the truth is, is that here on this occasion, we see that Jesus, He sat down opposite the treasury and he just decided, you know what, I'm just going to watch. Anybody like to go to the mall and people watch around Christmas time? You'll see some crazy things. And so that's Jesus just sat down and he begins to watch the offering box. Now the offering box at our church, where is it? Well, we have uh, some plates that we pass around. But we also, people can tithe to First Baptist Church Bay St. Louis through a text message. Did you know that? Called Text to Give. So you can... That's, in fact, that's how many times me and my wife, that's how we tithe, through the text message. Isn't that something? You say, well, that's not right. That technology is of the devil. Well, if we don't learn how to uh, tithe through technology, then the next generation, especially these graduates, who does, by, by the way, everything on their cell phone, when they get house loans one day, you know what they're going to sign up for? Their mortgage on their cell phone. Now, we can get mad about that, or we can just say, okay, that's how the world is. And in the church, we better be thinking about how to not lose the gospel message, but we have to be changing some things, even though we hate change, if we're going to reach a lost world. We've got to learn how to speak the language, how to connect to the hearts of people, contextualize to our world. Not change the message, not change the Word of God. We, we will not compromise on the Word. But we have to be thinking. How are we going to reach all the lost people? Because the truth is, they don't think like we do, nor do they care how you and I think. They don't care what's going on with First Baptist Bay St. Louis, but we care about them, amen? And we're going to reach them. So number one truth, the Lord views our offering. Also, you can set up an automatic bank withdrawal through our church website to, to just say, you know what? If, if I get paid a certain amount every month, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and by faith, set up that this, this much is going to come out of my checking account every single month. You say, well, that's not, I'm not out of sight, out of mind. Well, it's that the act of worship is in our heart. It's, it's the thinking about giving to the Lord. It's kind of like some people, uh, you say, well, I, I don't get paid. Well, you may not see it, but your, sometimes your check goes to your checking account. And if you don't think about it, if you don't look at it, then yeah, you don't get paid. But you'll feel it if you don't get paid, okay? So there's, a, there's an offering box, and here, by the way, I hate talking about this. It makes me so nervous. Oh. But it's in the Bible, right? And Jesus talked about it. She put in how many coins? Two. Oh, I shouldn't have showed you. And, and these were two lepta, okay? And, and together, these, uh, they made a leptin. A leptin... Is, the word leptin in, in the Greek means small. And so this lady, the poor widow lady, she gave something that was so small. In fact, it was one sixty-fourth of a denarius. A denarius was a day's, a, one day's wages. So she gave one sixty-fourth of a denarius. In other words, she didn't give a whole lot in the world's eyes. 
but God saw her, saw her offering, and he was impressed by it. In fact, he was more impressed with her offering than anybody else. Next, we observe this. Number two, the Lord notices the percentage of our offering. The Lord notices the percentage of our offering. You see, it's not in the amount that we give to the Lord. But it's how much of what we have that catches His eye. You see, the rich gave out of their abundance. But this poor widow woman gave out of her poverty. And it caught the Lord's attention. And it impressed Him. Because she gave everything that she had. This is why even people who have nothing, if you take away taxes from them, or if you take away an offering from them, then you rob them the dignity that they have as a human being. This lady gave all that she had. And a third observation, look, the Lord rewards the faithful. So number three, if you're taking notes, the Lord rewards the faithful. This lady comes and she puts in two small copper coins, a small offering. And then the Lord, he calls his disciples. He said, guys, come here. Look at this. And he he shares about the woman. He says, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. Why did she put in everything? Well, it was her faith. It was her theology about who she believed the Lord is. You see, what you believe about God and what you believe about the Bible dictates all of the decisions in our life, right? What we believe about God's Word is going to translate in our check, checkbook. The things that we, not just our money, but our time and what we do and how we spend our time and our money and our resources and what we invest in and the things that we're, we're passionate about. All of that is impacted by our theology, by what we believe about the Lord and about the world and about His Word. Jesus told the disciples, In John 14, he says, In my Father's house there's many rooms, and I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And so this poor woman, she was rewarded. The Lord rewards the faithful. She gave everything that she had, and the Lord commends her, first off, in his word right here. He he makes a big deal out of it in the eyes of his disciples, but then he puts it in the book. How cool is that? It's recorded in his word for all of the ages. And then, when that sweet lady may have been on earth, God rewarded her, but maybe not. Maybe it was when she went to to be with the Lord in eternity. Maybe it was there that she pulled up to her new house when she got up to the top and said, well, hello. All right. Come on. HGTV had seen nothing on my new house. And so, Maybe it was then that, that it just overwhelmed and God, God rewarded her. But look, we don't give so that we're blessed. We don't give so that we can get something. That is, that's uh, the crazy people on TV, the churches sometimes, wacko churches. That's what they teach. If you give, God will bless you. Well, no, that's not 
God will bless you, but that's not why we give. Yet, we don't need to let the crazies take away from us. God has said in this one area, this is one area that if you test God in, He'll prove faithful. So you may sit there today and feel like, you know, I haven't been tithing uh, what I should be, and and uh, it's impossible, and I just, Pastor, I don't think this is going to work, and I've done the math, and, and if I give 10%, then I'm just going to starve. And so I'm going to challenge you, if that's where you're at today, then I dare you to trust God on this. To just say, you know what, by faith, I'm just going to see if God's faithful. And I kind of want to say, we'll give you your money back, but I don't have the authority to do that. And so you, you tithe today or next Sunday, and then three months from now, you crunch the numbers and you look and see if God does not take care of you. He said, that's crazy. Pastor, I'm going to prove you wrong. Let, well, let's do it. Write it down, and you decide you're going to trust God. You're going to give at least 10%, maybe a lot more than that. And then you come back three months from now, or three weeks from now, and let's just see if you're still above the water and you're still breathing, and you're able to eat at least one meal a day. Maybe, maybe three meals a day. And let's just see what God will do. You see, it gets real, doesn't it? We start thinking. But this is the one area where it hits home the most. You say, what do y'all do with all the money that we give? Well, glad you asked. Our church gives a portion of our uh, money that we give to the cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention, which helps do, do all, I don't have time to talk about all the things, sends missionaries to places that have never heard the gospel, uh, food, trucks of food are going places, disaster relief is happening right now, there's people outside of Venezuela helping all the refugees escape that country. We have Southern Baptist people all over the globe doing God's work. Then we give a portion of that to the North American Mission Board, which goes to support church planning and all kinds of ministries. We uh, spend dollars in helping fight for uh, against the atrocities of, of abortion. And we've got people in Washington that are representing Southern Baptists and that are, that are helping work with lawyers and congressmen and how to make sure we stand up for religious freedom. And there's all kinds of things that we do as a church. but our tithe is what we give to God. So let's say if I decided, uh, I just had an idea. Y'all ever have ideas? Let's say I had an idea. You know what? I think our church needs a four-seater golf cart in our parking lot with our logo on the side. And I just think that's a good idea. Now let's say I just decided, you know what? I'm going to let my tithe, if I wrote down there, I want to make sure this goes to a golf cart. Well, number one, I couldn't do that because we don't have an account for that. But let's say I wanted to say that's going to be my tithe. What am I doing when I do that? I am telling God what I think He should do with my tithe. And that's wrong. Because see, I'm not giving it to Him. Now, if I give my tithe, then I say, you know what? I want to donate $3,000 or whatever to, to pay for something like that that I think is a need. That's different. But we don't get to tell God how we spend His money. And we're guilty of that sometimes. We, we think we know better than God. And I'm so thankful we're at a church we're 100% debt-free as of last February. Did you know that? 100%. And our church, we, we think about it. I have never seen a church staff in my whole life that does more 
with so little than we do at our church. It's incredible. It's incredible. And God is blessing our church. But we can do more. The Lord rewards the faithful. Jesus commended the widow. And because He did, she gave everything she had. And we need to be careful in looking at the text. God is not asking you to give your whole bank account in the church offering. Now, He may, but that's between you and Him. But He's not prescribing that in Scripture. In fact, only one time did He tell somebody to sell everything they owned. Only one time. The rich young ruler. Why did God tell him to do that? Because he was possessed by his possessions. So there's a question. Are you possessed by your possessions today? Are we possessed by our possessions? Do they own us? And lastly, in this this verse, and then I'm going to share with you some redneck financial precepts that can help you. Okay, three of those. But, But before we get there, the last part of this in verse 44 and really verse 43, it's a picture of the gospel. Because see, this, this lady, she gave her entire livelihood. She gave her very life. And yet, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, filthy rich, by the way, yet for our sakes He became poor, so that through His poverty we might become rich. So this lady is a foretaste, is a small picture of the gospel of the life of Christ. She gave it all. She gave her entire livelihood for the Lord. Well, that's what he did. He, though he was uh, 10 gazillion more times filthy rich than Bill Gates ever would be, he came and made himself poor for us. Wow. Wow. So if you're taking notes, let's go back over it quickly. The Lord views our offering. He sees it. We don't need that to, uh, to make us too nervous, but we do need to realize that God sees how much we tithe. Nobody else sees it, but God sees it. I guess our financial secretary, and she's a Southern Baptist, uh, she's a member at Bel Air Baptist Church in Gulfport. And the cool thing about that is there's, there's privacy there. But I will say this, if you are on staff at our church, I don't think there's anything wrong with us saying to the financial secretary, hey, can you give us a thumbs up or a thumb down on whether they tithe every month? If you're a deacon at our church, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking the financial secretary, hey, is this person tithing? Thumbs up or thumbs down? We don't want to know the amount. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Hey, if they're a Sunday school teacher at First Baptist Church Bay St. Louis, thumbs up or thumbs down, are they tithing every month? Any kind of church leader on any kind of ministry team at First Baptist Church of Bay St. Louis, thumbs up or thumbs down. And then we can go on every single row. You know, there's some African-American churches. Listen to this. If you don't tithe, you don't get to vote. And they look it up. Now, I'm thankful we don't do that because that's a little different. But there's more than one way to skin a cat. And I mean, sometimes that's what you got to do. See, I hate talking about this. But you know, if we would all do our part, we could probably send out three full-time missionary families per year from our church. There's no telling what we could do in Bay St. Louis if we all did our 
apart. Now I'd like to share with you some redneck financial precepts that can help you. Okay? Uh, You say, Pastor, where'd you get these from? I got them from my dad. Okay? My, My father, growing up, during the week, you know, all the cool kids at school, they would talk about Star Wars and all these cool things, and, and I always missed out on that. I never got to see Star Wars growing up because my dad told me that stuff was fake. He told me it was fake. We can't watch that. I said, okay, what are we going to watch? He said, we watch Gunsmoke. <laughs> so every, I'm, I'm not lying, I'm telling the truth here. And so at night, my dad ran a paper route every single night, even on Christmas, he ran a paper route. So at 10 o'clock, now I would tell him, Gunsmoke's fake too. Oh no. He would say, no, that stuff's real. So, so every night, 10 o'clock, we'd watch the news. And I'd tell my dad, hey, I can tell you what they're going to talk about. Oh no, we need to watch it. We need to watch. So we'd watch the news. And then at 10.30, the VHS would go in the VCR. And he would hit record. And Gunsmoke came on every night, WLBT3, Jackson, Mississippi, Channel 3. Gunsmoke would come on. And he'd record it. And then he'd go to bed at 10.30. He'd go to bed at 10.30. And, and then at 1 o'clock, he'd, or sometimes 12.30, he'd wake back up, drive to Jackson, the paper plant downtown, fill up his truck with papers, go run the paper route, get back at the house at 6 o'clock in the morning, Go to sleep for three hours, wake up about nine o'clock, a little bit after nine, and then go run a water association out in the country all the way till dark. Every single day, he did those two things for 27 years. And I would go to church, and sometimes the men in our church would look at me and say, You know, son, your dad is the cheapest man I ever met. And I'd go, I'd be out in public. And I just have random strangers. You're, you're Brian Frazier's son? Yes, sir. I'm proud of it. Your dad's the cheapest man I ever met. Well, thanks. And so in, at Christmas time, everybody knew. That's Brian. He's cheap. And so he got that reputation. But I watched my dad, and I watched what he gave to, and I watched how, God, and I watched his, how much he has given, and how God's blessed him for his obedience. And I learned a few things. And I'd like to share a few of these. Number one, buy the cheapest gas. Buy the cheapest gas. Now, in town, you'll see a swing of about 20 cents, the most expensive place to the cheapest, okay? Now, you don't need to go buy the, the gas from a gas station that has a rusted out tank. That's not what I'm saying, okay? You, you need to have good fuel. But if you save, if, if you buy the cheapest gas... And by the way, there's a lot of apps on your phone you can use. It shows the, the cheapest place in town. If you buy it 20 cents cheaper per gallon, then you're saving about $4 a fill-up, okay? So you math majors, let's think here. About $4 per fill-up you're saving, okay? So let's say you fill up twice a month. How much is that per month? $8 a month, okay? That you're saving just because you're thinking about how to buy the cheapest gas. $8 per month times 12. You with me? That's about $100 a year that you have saved buying the cheapest gas. Do you know how much $100, if you go to China and you convert that to yen, you know how much money that is? 700 yen. 
in China. Do you know that a Chinese pastor can catch a taxi for five yen to go to the other side of the city to share the gospel? Five yen in China. So we say we think in dollars, but our dollars overseas is worth a lot more than your dollar is to you. Does that make sense? So example, $100 if you go to Mexico and you convert that to pesos. You know how much $100 is in, is in pesos? 2,000. 2,000 pesos in Mexico. $100. We had some missionaries from Cambodia a few weeks ago, and our church gave, I believe, over $650 love offering. Just sacrificially just blessed this IMB couple, Cambodia. Do you know much, how much $100 goes in Cambodia? Listen to this. You convert that, it's called... Real, like fishing reel, Cambodian reel, $100 is 406,000 real, Cambodian reel. That's why we need to think about these things. For the kingdom's sake, not for our sake, although there's a benefit for us, but for the kingdom, what are we investing in? Number two, redneck principle, precept. Know the value of a dollar. Know the value of a dollar. Do not be wasteful of the Lord's money. And by the way, 100% of the money that you have is God's, and He is responsible for you having any of it. Every single one of us. What we have is from Him. It's His earth, it's His universe, it's all His anyways. Where's our graduates? Some of you graduates. I have this is a lanyard extra for you, okay? As you, by the way, college age students I have noticed are the most thrifty people I have met. They are amazing what they can do with the dollar. And did you know that the Generation Z, the surveys tell us that they are very, very frugal. It's impressive. No, the here's your secret, okay, students. I discovered this myself. And now there's probably some other people that have discovered it, but I don't know. If you decide to go through a drive-through, like a restaurant that has a window on the side of it, and you drive through it. Now the cheapest way is to do what? For your drink? Water, right? But if you decide to splurge, I'm going to tell you a secret. Order at the drive-through, tell them you want a Small, whether you drink whatever beverage it is, Sprite or sweet tea or Coke, say, I want a small Coca-Cola with no ice. Now look, this is what I discovered. Eight times out of ten, when you get to that drive through window, they're going to hand you a medium size with no ice. And sometimes they'll give you a large because they feel sorry for you, I guess. I don't know. This is true. I've done this here in Bay St. Louis a lot. And then if you say, well, I want more, well, take that medium size of that sweet tea with no ice, and you go home, find you a cup, put you some ice in it, and it double sizes real quick. I'm telling you, that's free. I discovered that. God showed me that, and, and it'll take you far in life. 
I'm not kidding. I'm dead serious. Know the value of a dollar. There's people that don't have anything. They don't have any food. They don't have any house. They don't have water. They don't have nothing. And we're the most wasteful country in the world. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves. And the church needs to be the example for the rest of our nation. Third redneck, redneck principle precept, financial. Be willing to walk away more than once. Be willing to walk away more than once. Just because you think you got to have it doesn't mean you got to have it. You don't have to have it. If you got Jesus, you don't need anything. Walk away. Be willing to walk away. Not just once, but be willing to walk away twice. Whether you're buying a car, whether you're buying a house, whatever it is. Whether you're shopping. Bartering is a worldwide thing except for in America. We just pay whatever you're supposed to pay. And it's really, we're, we're lazy financially and it's, our prosperity has caused us to not use our brains. And that's why our, our nation is the most in-debt nation in the world. It's going to catch up to us one day. If America would have stayed hungry and humble through the 90s around the turn of the century, we would have been a 100 times, I believe, more financially stronger and we possibly could have lifted the entire world out of poverty. We had an opportunity, but we didn't. Be willing to walk away more than once. You don't have to have it. Third. Third and last, final. When it comes to your dollars. You ready for it? Seek the Lord's guidance. Pray about it. If we have have Jesus, the Holy Spirit, living inside of us, and He knows all things. He knows all financial wisdom. He knows the market. He knows everything. Then, it seems like to me, we ought just ask because He has promised in His Word, if we ask Him for wisdom, guess what? He will give it. The problem is, most of us don't ask. We don't. But it's available to us, 24 hours a day, to ask Him for wisdom. Anything, anytime, anywhere, we can ask Him. And His Word says He'll give it. The most underused promise in all the Bible from the book of James. So let's just seek Him. Lord, what do you think about this? Is this a bad idea? Is this a good idea? Now sometimes we can become so cheap, like my father, that uh, sometimes... Sometimes the cheapest is not the best. Did you know that? Sometimes the cheapest is not what God wants for you. The streets in heaven are paved with gold. Jesus on earth, Jesus Christ on earth, listen to this. He had a seamless robe. Do you know what that means? He had one of the nicest robes a man had in Israel. Now, it's probably the only one he had. And somebody probably gave it to him, or for all we know, I don't know. Maybe the disciples gave it to him for a Christmas gift. I don't know. Birthday present. But he had a seamless robe. And we know the Bible says that after they took Jesus down off the cross, what did those soldiers do? They cast lots for his clothing. 
Now, do you want to do you want a dead person's clothes? No, not unless they're worth a whole lot of money. You see, they cast lots because the his robe was worth a lot. Sometimes the cheapest is not the best. The key is just including God in on your plans. And at the end of the day, how you spend your finances is really nobody's business between you and the Lord. I had somebody ask me this morning, Pastor, is that a new suit? I said, no, it's six years old. I don't think I've had a new suit in four years. But you wouldn't know that unless I told you. It really is none of your business. By the way, why does somebody need more than one suit? You really don't need one, more than one suit. People in Asia wear the same pair of clothes three days in a row. Why do you need a whole closet full of clothes? And our people here on the coast know this better than anybody because of the hurricanes that our people have lived through. Now as we get ready to close, today if you don't know God, listen, here, if you're not paying attention, wake up. If you do not know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, if you have no relationship with Him, then this entire message sounds like Aramaic. It sounds like the most bizarre thing in the world, maybe, to you. If you don't know Jesus today, then the worldview, the lens from which you view your life and money and resources, your lens is foggy and you can't see clearly. And the the thing that you need today is a heart checkup and you need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because see, when He saves you and He overwhelms you with His grace and His love, you realize, oh my goodness, All that I have is from the Lord. And in the future, and the decisions I make give me an opportunity to prove by faith that I believe that God is alive and He is a rewarder for those who seek Him. And so if that's you today, we would just want to invite you, friend, come to Jesus today. Just come and and lay down your life and say, Father, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I'm separated and I, I know it. And God, I want to turn away from my lifestyle of sin and I want to receive the Lord to be my Savior by faith. Not because of good things you do to climb a ladder, but you come by faith sinful and messed up just as you are. And you call on Jesus to save you. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There's many people here today, you don't know the Lord. You don't. You don't know God. You may know about Him. You may know about the Bible. But you do, have, you do not have a relationship with this God. And He's calling you today. Come and to receive Him as your Savior. You don't get to heaven. By the way, you know, heaven's for perfect people. Did you know that? And when you get to the top, you're going to say, oh, I was a pretty good guy. Ladies say, well, you know, I was, I, I was just a good lady. I did a lot of good things in my life. Friend, that's not going to cut it. Heaven's for perfect people. Perfect. Now, any of you perfect? Look at your neighbor. Perfect? No. I'm not perfect. Far from it. The good news of the gospel, Jesus came to be perfect on our behalf. He came to do what we can never do. Who all will receive that free gift by faith. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. It is a gift from God. And the invitation is this. 
God's offering you total forgiveness, total freedom, total substitute for your sin if you'll come and receive it by faith today. Let's pray.